In our world, unhealthy relationships are far more common than healthy ones. And as a result, the majority of relationships in our world have this tendency to break down over time, to, to make life worse rather than doing what they're supposed to do in making life better. And I mean, it's sad, isn't it? I mean, it, it shouldn't be this way. The best times of a relationship should not be in the beginning, and yet, they often are. I mean, just, th just think about it. The best times in our work relationships are, are often in the beginning, right? I mean, everything starts off great, and the employee loves the boss, and the boss loves the employee, and then over time, it just starts breaking down. And the same is often true in our personal relationships. We, we don't have to look any further than this, this one sad fact. The majority of marriages today end in divorce. And those that don't aren't necessarily happy ones. And this is a, a huge indication that our relationships, the way we go about doing relationships and the relationships that we're in in our particular lives these days aren't healthy, they're unhealthy. This series is called Relationship Stuff, and it's all about kind of sharing God's truth, taking a, a look into God's truth about relationships and the principles for experiencing not unhealthy ones, which seem to come so naturally to us, but healthy relationships. And here's this weekend's truth. Healthy relationships are always growing in value. Healthy relationships are always growing in value. They, they don't start with greater value in the beginning and then lose it over time. They, they don't start off making life better and more joyful and more meaningful and then, and then start wearing us down. No, healthy relationships are always growing in value over time. They, they get better with time. Look at 1 Thessalonians, actually 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, your faith, and no, faith is talking about our relationship with God, a relationship that's vertical. Your relationship with God is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other in your horizontal relationships is increasing. And, and so Paul was actually saying it's awesome that, that unlike what comes naturally for so many people, your relationship with God doesn't start with high adrenaline and great joy and great commitment and great sacrifice and you're willing to do anything to pursue him and he's the greatest, most important thing in your life and then over time it kind of wears down and plateaus and stagnates and loses its energy. No, it's growing more and more. And it says, and your relationships with one another on this horizontal plane, they're not, they're not diminishing over time. They're not stagnating over time, they're, they're growing and increasing more and more because healthy relationships are always growing in value. And so I thought we'd, this is a series called Relationship Stuff. It's not like oratory projects that I'm putting together to impress you with my ability to give a speech. It's, it's simply a conversation about all the stuff that goes on with relationships and how God made them to be healthy and how we can change unhealthy ones to healthy ones. And it's not just about marriage or parenting and 
that kind of family experience, though that's certainly at the center of this and important here. It's, it's about relationships in every one of our areas of life. It's about our work relationships, whether we're the lead or the follower, whether we're the employer or the employee. It's about our friendships. It's about all of our community relationships in life. And if we're going to enjoy healthy relationships that last, then we have to understand this important application. It ultimately means that we're going to have to make a choice. And we have to make the choice to consistently add value in our relationships, in all the different spheres of our life. Not enough just in marriage, not enough just at work. I mean, in all the spheres of our life. So if we really want to go from the unhealthy form of relationships that diminish over time, that destroy, to healthy relationships that last over time, we have to make the choice to, in each relationship, consistently add value. Look at Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That's a choice we have to make. But only let come out of your mouth a choice we have to make what is helpful for building others up, not tearing them down, for maximizing them, not diminishing them, according to their needs. Not according to our wants, not according to how we want to manipulate them and what we want to get them doing, but according to their needs. We're supposed to consistently make the choice not to tear people down, but to build people up. That doesn't mean we can never criticize or rebuke or correct. It means even in those conversations, it has to be to build them up to make the relationship go forward, to add value to their life in every context, whether at work or home or in community relationships. And then it says, that it may benefit those who listen, that it might add value to their lives. The reason unhealthy relationships are more common than healthy relationships is because it is more natural for us to go to the unwholesome talk than it is to go to the beneficial talk. It's more natural for us to get frustrated and start tearing people down in our frustration to try and clear the brush so that our lives are better in spite of who we hurt in the process. But if we're going to have healthy relationships, then we have to make this choice. We are going to come at those relationships in each day and in each endeavor to consistently add value to them, to make life better. And it will change the relationship. I think it's important for us to realize that most of us struggle with our, with our sense of value and worth in this world. I mean, we live in a world that really has this, this unbelievable ability to kick the, the sense of value out of our lives. I don't know about you, we're kind of all born into this world, you know, with this joyful thing. We've seen babies and toddlers and but life just kicks the value out of you sometimes, doesn't it? It's like it just tells you you're worth nothing. Healthy relationships are supposed to be those places where we, we have a safe place, where value is increased rather than diminished in our lives, where instead of destroying our sense of worth, it, it fills us up with a sense of worth. And I mean, come on, that's not naturally what happens in most of our relationships. It's not what happens, even if we want it to be what, ha uh, what we want to happen. It's not what happens in most of our work relationships. It's not what happens in most of our personal relationships. We're, we're more naturally tearing down instead of building up. And, and it comes down to this. We have to make a choice 
If we want healthy relationships to consistently add value. So I thought it'd be important, this, this relationship stuff, I just thought I'd throw a bunch of stuff out that might help us with this value add issue of relationships. And the first thing I thought of, what's it look like to be consistently adding value? And I came up with some things that God has made very, very clear as truths, as principles for relationships, since he's a relational God and created us do, to do relationship with him and others. He, he, he shared with us how to do it. What's it look like to consistently add value? Well, the first principle I find, it's clear. We add value by making the other person better. I mean, you think about it, if we come at every experience in a relationship, every, every conversation in a relationship, every part of the adventure of a relationship, in any context of life, and we're always trying in each moment, no matter what's going on, how frustrating, how dark, how low we are, trying to make the other person better, that will add value to their life. It will be a benefit, and, and over time, it will make the, the relationship of more value, not less. But it's a choice that I'm going to make the other person better. I can, I don't know about you, but I can, I can get upset. Do any of you have that problem once in a while? Things can go wrong, things can be frustrating, people not achieving the priorities or goals we set out, or the attitudes, and attitude's a big thing with me. Someone has a bad attitude, I get a bad attitude, you know? It's like, and I can really react in the moment, but but what happens is my natural tendency then is just to, to bulldoze the entire forest of that relationship. And then you have to go and start planting new trees in it. Oh, here's a little bush for you, you know, this will make it better. And, and you have to repair. Can you imagine how different life would be if we said, no, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, even in this moment of frustration, try and make that other person better. Because if that other person is better, the behavioral patterns will change, right? And they're going to look at me not as someone who's going to be ripping them a new one, but as someone who's going to be trying to help elevate them in life. It changes the whole perspective. The very fact that I have to say we should be always trying to add value by making the other person better in every relational context of life shows us why unhealthy relationships are more common than healthy ones. It's because it's not our natural bent. And so I thought I would just kind of throw out some glimpses of what this would look like if we were trying to always make the other person better. What would that look like? What, what would we see? What would be the fruit of that? Well, uh, I'll just give you a bunch of verses and then you can play with them any way you want in your own life. The first thing is if we were really trying to make the other person better, you know, we'd, it'd be obvious that we were trying to sharpen them, that we were trying to sharpen them. That's what you're doing when you're making them better. That's what Proverbs 27, verse 17 says. As iron sharpens iron, so one human sharpens another, you know? Sharpen them. Can you imagine what a value add it would be in our relationships if we were always trying to sharpen them intellectually instead of tear down their IQ level? Can you imagine what it'd be if we were always trying to sharpen someone emotionally instead of depleting them so they finally just give in to us? Can you imagine how, how much value would be in a relationship if we were always trying to add value to how they do relationships instead of attacking how they do relationships? Can you imagine how different it'd be if we were trying to sharpen them vocationally instead of just 
daggering them vocationally? Can you imagine how different it'd be if we tried to sharpen each other spiritually instead of judge each other spiritually? Can you imagine? It'd change everything. We'd go from unhealthy to healthy. If we were always trying to add value by making the other person better, it would mean that we were, we were actually ultimately motivating them. It would motivate them. It would inspire them to be better, to be more, to invest more. It wouldn't push them away. It would, it would bring them closer. Hebrews 10.24, God says, let's consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And that's really important. Do you know what an unhealthy relationship does? It motivates us to be at our worst in the context of that relationship and ultimately in other parts of life. Do you know what a healthy relationship does? It motivates us to be at our best, to, to be about love and good deeds. And I don't know about you, but my natural response in most contexts is not love and good deeds. Is yours? Hey, if you, yeah, that's me. No, it's not. I mean, that's not our natural response. Not when the heat's on. So we need, to, we need to motivate each other to the positive, to love and good deeds. And that then adds value. And if I have someone in my life who's always motivating me forward to the better response, to love and good deeds, that's a person that's adding value. That's a relationship that has meaning. That's someone I want in my life. That's someone whom I hold dear. It's a healthy relationship. If I'm adding value, that means I'm going to strengthen them. I'm, I'm going to strengthen them. Not weaken them, not diminish them. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a better return for their work. Come on. Double the productivity. And more than that, it's usually exponential. There's a synergy involved in it that makes us go way beyond one plus one equals two. And if one falls down, the friend is there to help them up. It's, it strengthens us. We, we can keep moving forward, but pity the one who falls and has no one to help them. You see, when, when we're in a healthy relationship, we, we mitigate each other's weaknesses and we maximize each other's strengths. And this is one of the great characteristics of, of what I found in my marriage with Roxanne. And remember, this isn't a marriage series, but marriage is one of the, the most difficult and deepest and most intimate relationships on the planet, so it applies to all other relationships. And, and really, Roxanne has has come alongside me and made my weaknesses no longer as weak as they are without her. And she's freed me up to be even stronger in my areas of strength. And man, what's that do for me? It adds value. It makes the relationship more meaningful and more important. Here's what she's done. She's made it so that I couldn't live without her. Oh, it ticks me off, but it's the truth. You know what it is when we add value to make someone better? It means we encourage them. We encourage them instead of discouraging them. I mean, most of our conversations and most of our relationships are often leaving us discouraged and confused and frustrated. Are you kidding me? It's not where relationships should take us. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Don't tear each other down. And then he was able to say to them, just like you've been doing lately, healthy relationships fill us up instead of sucking the life out of us. 
And isn't it sad when we go into our relational spheres and, and we're being sucked empty instead of filled up. No wonder we start avoiding those areas. No wonder we start in the family context existing in separate rooms. And no wonder in the workplace we at best send an email but we certainly don't want to be in each other's presence. No wonder we lose friendships along the way. It's because life sucks us dry enough to be in relationships that just keep sucking more life out of us. Don't you agree? If we're going to really add value, then we have to come alongside people and relieve them. Relieve them of the burdens, of the stress, of the anxieties of life instead of adding them. Look at Galatians 6.2. The Bible says it. Carry each other's burdens. Unhealthy relationships are where we add to each other's burdens. Healthy relationships are where we carry each other's burdens. And this is really what should be at the heart of all relationships, shouldn't it? That person helps me to carry my burdens. I help them to carry their burdens. We don't just need each other, we want each other. That's what adds value. If we're going to really make the choice to consistently add value in relationships so we go from unhealthy relationships to healthy relationships, there's another principle. We, we have to understand, this is what it looks like. We add value by appreciating the other person, by genuinely appreciating them. Now, we live in a world where, look at, the world just functions. It's systems and natural laws and organizations and, you know, everybody's just kind of moving around. And, and in life, we kind of become a number. When we are in huge organizations in the marketplace, we can easily become a number. And, and we can start treating each other like numbers, like these usable products that, you know, I need to use for benefit, but you have uh, no meaning to me. And don't you, as you walk through the journey of life, sometimes just get to the place where you feel so unappreciated. Healthy relationships are the place where we get to run to where no matter what's going on in the world, it's a place we know we're appreciated, that we're wanted. But unfortunately, very often because our relationships are filled with so much tension and frustration and conflict, uh, we feel as unappreciated in the relationship as, as we are in the world. I mean, we're not built up. There's not gratitude expected. We're comparing each other's investments and comparing each other's contribution and comparing what each of us are doing. And, and we always see ourselves as doing more, right? Isn't this how it kind of works? And, and it just depletes us again. And so we have to make this choice. If we're going to have healthy relationships consistently add value, then we have to, we have to make the choice to appreciate the other person. You know, when something uh, appreciates in our world, it increases in value. Like if your home appreciates, it's growing in value, and it's the same with relationships. They should be growing in value, not diminishing, and appreciation is at the heart of it, you know? But if you're going to show appreciation, there's a couple of requirements. <laughs> if you're going to show appreciation, and, and I know, I'm, forgive me for being so simple and so basic, but because I don't see so much appreciation, I figure maybe I should get simple about it. 
or no, maybe this is more honest. Because I'm not so good at it, I had to get simple about it, and I'll share what I've discovered with you. If we're going to express appreciation, we, we must have it. <laughs> That's pretty basic. And I really believe one of the reasons we don't experience appreciation in our relationships and we don't give appreciation in our relationships is because we genuinely don't have it. Which means we're missing the real value. We're no longer seeing what we should have because you know, value's in the eyes of the beholder, right? It's in the eyes of the beholder. One person's junk is another person's treasure. This is why my, my wife likes garage sailing. <laughs> You, I keep telling you, you know why that's in their garage sale, right? It's junk. And I have this vision. I've, I always vision forward. I can see it right now. It's going to come to our home. It's going to take up space. And I'm going to have to take it to Salvation Army in five years. That's how I see it. But she sees it as valuable. And it's like this thing. And, and by the way, more often than not, she's right. She uses these things. She's a very, very wise you know, house executive. But here's the deal. She sees it as valuable. She sees something in it I don't. And the same thing happens in our relationships. We're missing the value often, which is why we don't have appreciation. So I thought I'd share some ways that you can build appreciation in almost any relationship. Not every relationship, but in almost every relationship, these can help you to get a little appreciation to make their life a little better instead of a little worse, to raise their value a little bit instead of tearing it down. Here's one. You should, you should look for things to appreciate from their loyalty. We should, we should gain appreciation for their loyalty. Let me, let me put it as, as simply as I can. They may not be perfect, but if they've stuck with you, that's something to appreciate. Because like it or not, you're no angel either. Look at how Philippians 1.3 says it. I thank my God every time I remember you because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul's saying, you know what I appreciate about you? You've been loyal when most haven't been. You've stuck with me when most haven't been. Most have deserted me, quite frankly. And you haven't. Isn't that something to appreciate? We should be looking at people we've been in relationship for a while with and just go, look, at with all the stuff that's gone on, I just want you to know something. That you've stuck with me is amazing. If we're honest, in the end, none of us really deserve to be loved. And so if there's someone that keeps on loving us anyway, I'd say it's cause for appreciation. You know, another thing, we should appreciate them for their love. For their love. I look at how the Bible says it in Philippians, Philemon 4.7. Paul's actually talking to a guy named Philemon. It's a personal letter from Paul to Philemon. Paul wrote a bunch of the New Testament. He's writing this letter. and He says, Philemon, I just want you to know, and I always thank my God for you. And here's, here's what I'm appreciative for. For the love you've given me. And, that, and he says, and I want you to know something. A lot of the joy that I have comes from the love you've given me. A lot of the encouragement I've gotten comes from the love you've given me. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate that love. And I'm going to tell you, when someone writes me a note of, of love and encouragement, of something 
positive that occurred. I get ones of something negative that occurred too. But when I get something positive occurred, I can't tell you how it lifts me up. It's like there's meaning in what I do. And, and this is exactly what we should be doing, appreciating each other for their love. We should appreciate each other for our differences. You can appreciate whoever you're in relationship with in whatever context for their differences. And I know this isn't natural because, quite frankly, it's the differences that ultimately frustrate us. We're, we're, we're usually attracted to people who are very different from us, and then we hate them the rest of our lives for their differences. It's really weird how it works, but just know this is how God made it. There's strength in differences. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 and 19, but the fact, but in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And he's using the, the physical body as a metaphor for the community of God's people called the church, but he's saying, look at, if all you had were legs, you wouldn't be able to do much. You know, if all you had were eyeballs, first of all, that's a disgusting thing to picture. But if all you had were eyeballs, that you couldn't do much. It's the differences that allow for a consequence of positive nature. It's, differences can be frustrating. Once again, I, 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 because I've been married for 38 years to Roxanne, and, and uh, this relationship is one of the most defining relationships of my life, I can use it as a... It's kind of an incubator to kind of share about all relationships. But I, I don't want you to think it's only for marriage. It's for all relationships. But with Roxanne, we are such different human beings. We're both very strong-willed. We're both very stubborn. We're both very aggressive. But we're very, very different in our, in our giftings. For example, she's, she's really, really, really into detail. And I'm really, really, really not. And have you ever been around someone that it's like, it's like a free spender living with an accountant. <laughs> not gonna work. I need a banker. <laughs> someone makes me spend more. But it's she. She has. This is just one illustration. I'm a very. I, I'm a very spontaneous person. I really like to do things in the moment. I'm very aggressive. It's like when I'm going to take a trip, you know, it's like I wait until it's time for the trip and then I poof, all the energy for what I need for that trip comes to me and I pack and I'm doing I'm gone. Why, why waste my life thinking about the trip? Not Roxanne. A year before a two-day retreat She's putting together detailed packing lists. And I, you think I'm kidding. I'm not. She, we have a packing list for every adventure of life. We have a packing list for, you know, a, a long weekend. We have a packing list for, you know, a thing with the kids and family. We have a packing list. We have a packing list for every place we've ever been in the world. It's crazy. I, sometimes I think we have a packing list for what we should do when we go to CVS. But... And I rag on her all the time. Oh my gosh, you've already she's got. We've got a whole room devoted to the, you know, her packing for something that's not going to happen for until we're retired 28 years from now. And it's like crazy. But whenever we're gone on a trip, I go, "Hey, do we have?" And she goes, "I have it." <laughs> Neither of us are adding value at that moment very well, but you get <laughs> 
get the point. I, and I go, oh, I bow and kiss her feet, and you're awesome, and you're great. Do you see what frustrates me is also what makes me so much better? And so I've started, not, I'm not there totally yet, but I've started appreciating the differences more than I used to. How about you in the context of your relationships? You know what else we can appreciate people for? We can appreciate people for, for their simple effort. For their effort. They might suck it up royally. But did they try? Did they give their best? That's what I love about the Bible. Paul's often writing in the Bible to people who are messing up everything. Are you kidding me? You're doing, are you kidding? You, read the Bible. Read, the first, read 1 Corinthians. It's like, these people were messed up. And it's so weird, because almost at the beginning of each criticism, he goes, I want to thank you. And he makes something up. It's like, I want to thank you that you woke up and kept breathing today. I mean, he thinks of something to appreciate. I mean, there was some effort involved in that. And now everything you did has ruined everything. But man, I'm really appreciative. And it's a, I, there's something we can appreciate. Look at 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, and 3. We always thank God for all of you. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love. He's thanking them for their effort. And I think it should be true of, of relationships in every sphere of our life. Yes, parents with kids and employers with employees, employees with employers and friends and spouses. If they're making an effort, it's something to appreciate, right? And when you appreciate them, remember, when you appreciate them, what are you doing? Raising their value. And when you're raising their value, what are you doing? Increasing the impact positive impact of that relationship. What are you doing? You're moving from unhealthy to healthy relationships. And, and then once you have appreciation, once you have it, then this is really, really important if we're going to add value, you need to express it. I have found there are some times when I'm just filled with appreciation for someone, often this will happen in a work context with a staff member, really appreciate what they've done. But life's busy, it's hard to connect, and so I don't express it. Do you know how valuable appreciation unexpressed is? It has no value whatsoever. None. And this is how we are in our families often, this is how we are in the workplace. We have to express it. And let me just give you... And I just meant this to be staccato. I, I just give you some biblical principles of how to best express appreciation. We need to express appreciation sincerely. Uh, Romans 12, 9, love must be sincere. We need to express it sincerely, and this is really important. Don't you know when someone's blowing smoke just to manipulate you? I, I, there are people come to me all the time, oh, Brad, I just want you to know I pray, blah, 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 and I'm always going, what do they want? Because it's so obvious, it's disingenuous. And so here's what we have to do. We have to get good at faking sincerity. No, that's not what we have to do. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. We have to be sincere about it. I, I believe insincere appreciation is better unexpressed. But sincere appreciation is only a value when it is expressed. If we're going to express appreciation, I think we have to do it appropriately. Appropriately. 
There's a time for it and not a time. Yeah, look at when I get my wife Roxanne really mad at me. That's not the time to say, by the way, how long's it been since I told you how much I appreciate you? That is fuel that will kill. Be appropriate about it. Look at Proverbs 25, 11, A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. The word aptly is really important in this. The opposite is true. A word not aptly spoken is like a brick to the head. Okay, I made that up. But uh, it's, it is the same kind of idea. And if we're going to express appreciation well, then we have to do it consistently. Consistently. 2 Thessalonians 1.3, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers. Not sometimes, always. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers. I'm telling you, this relationship stuff stirs me, moves me. Because I want relationships that get better and better over time. Don't you? I want people who are in relationship with me to say that I make them better, not worse. And so let me ask just two questions at the end because I, if we don't rotate this into our life, then it's, it's worthless. If we don't evaluate ourselves, then it's worthless. So just two questions I'll ask you and hopefully you'll entertain this throughout the week, throughout the rest of your life. First one is, how healthy are your relationships with others? How healthy are they really? And I have to tell you, you have to be honest because very often my initial answer is, hey, pretty good. <laughs> and then you get down into it and you go, really bad. How are your relationships with others? Look at how the Bible says in Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make every single effort available to us to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification, mutual building each other up, adding value. Take every sphere of your relationships and then every important relationship in the context of those spheres and ask, how healthy is my relationship there? I bet you you find some places where you're not adding value as much as you should. And I'm telling you, it's not always perfect because it takes two to do relationships. But if you start changing the health of your relationship towards them, you'll be amazed at how often it changes the health of their relationship towards you. How healthy are they? But here's what I have found, and this leads to the second question. And I'm going to say this right up front, okay? I'm going to, this is crazy. I thought a lot about this. I, I'm going to fill in the last blank of the outline before I'm done with the talk. And I, I'm going to tell you, I, I know what happens. As soon as I do, though, some of you are starting to automatic, you know, remote start your cars, you know. You're looking for the escape route. You're starting to nudge the person next to you. You're starting to adjust your keys. Look at just because the blanks filled in doesn't mean that I'm done. <laughs> All right? I'm going to actually treat you like adults just for a minute, if I could. The, the second question is, how healthy is your relationship with God? How healthy is your relationship with God? And here's what I found. I have found that my unhealthy horizontal human relationships always flow from my unhealthy 
vertical relationship with God. Always. Because everything I have to offer of value in the context of a human relationship ultimately has to flow from what I'm receiving from my relationship with God. And if I'm not, I have nothing to offer. Look at 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. It's the only way we can love. No wonder we don't love well. Very often we're not receiving it, so we can't distribute it. We're not receiving value, so we can't add it to others' lives. And so it's all about this relationship. In fact, here's what I want to say, and I hope you'll get this. Everything in life starts with God and ends with God. And since relationships are the essence of life, life is the sum of our relationships, you can know this. Healthy relationships start with God and end with God. Unhealthy relationships are where we're not starting with God. And so we have to work this relationship out. Which is what John 3.16 is all about. Jesus came and died and rose so that we could have a relationship with God that we don't deserve because our guilt is deserving of separation from him in life. And, and he died in our place and rose to give us new life. Look at John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Here's what we need to do. We need to start putting our trust in him, walking with him. And when that happens, we'll start walking with each other in an entirely different way. And so just before I end this talk, I'm going to ask, would you bow with me in a word of prayer? And as we bow in prayer, I really want to encourage each and every one of you to be evaluating your relationship with God, adjusting that and working on that. But if you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, I, pray with me, would you please? Take my words in this moment, in this prayer, and make them yours and start walking with him. Let him change who you are so you can change how you do relationships. Just, just say in your heart to God, Jesus, I, just, I believe truly that you died on that cross so that my guilt and my sin and failures could be removed. And I believe that when you rose again, it was so that I could have new life. And so I'm... I'm believing in you right now. I'm giving you my guilt and sin and I'm receiving your life by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me, I can't encourage you enough, please let us know. We want to give you some information about next steps that you can take in your relationship with God. We want to give you a Bible so that you can start hearing from God yourself, but we just need to know you prayed with me. And so in your program, we've put this little thing we call a connect card. Just take it out, fill it out, and check either that you prayed for the first time to receive Jesus or you prayed to renew your faith, whichever is true of you, and, and we'd love to send you that information and help you move forward in your relationship with God. And if you're watching online, hit the what next button. We'll do exactly the same for you, okay? I, I want to encourage you that that if you're just starting out in your journey of faith, we have this ministry called Starting Point Ministry. And in the lobby of all of our campuses, and right now we're live with our regional campuses everywhere here in Plymouth and Gross Eel, I want to say a big hey to you. And Brighton, want to say hey to you. Celine, thanks so much for being a part of our, uh, our church. And, and I just want, in the lobbies of all of our campuses, the Starting Point groups are there, and they can sign you up for that. It's starting on uh, April 21st and beyond. Become a part of something where you're growing. But here's how I want to end our, our service. 
When we choose to have a growing relationship with God, and when we choose to have a growing relationship with others, that's exactly what we have. We get what we choose. You see, because I, I can choose to add value to a person's life. And though it takes two to do relationship, that will impact those people almost always in a way that makes the relationship more healthy. But I have to make the choice. I get what I choose. If I choose just to destroy someone and tear them down, I get what I choose. Imagine how different our lives would be Imagine how different our world would be if we all start choosing right. Hey, hey, my prayer is you'll have a great week. My prayer is that I'll see you next weekend. I'll be talking about next weekend the importance and power of listening as we continue in relationship stuff. And, and don't forget this week to invite someone. At least invite the person you hate the most because it's a relationship series. It might change them and you. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.